it's a business. And if you don't treat it like a business, you're probably not going to succeed in a viable way. So I think that's advice I would give to anyone who's starting a podcast with the intent of making a, a sustaining level of income off of it. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. Welcome back, podcast friends. We are joined today again by Josh Hallmark, the host and producer of both the Our Americana and the Karen and Ellen Letters podcast. And he is coming back on Podcasting Smarter for the second time, the first guest to do so. And the reason is we need updates on his podcast. And also he is starting a bit of a podcast movement with something that he's calling two pods a day, and we have to hear all about it. Please, Josh, uh, tell us about two pods a day and welcome back to Podcasting Smarter. Well, thank you so much for having me back. Um, I, I'm honored to be the first uh, two-timer on your show. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so two pods a day. We are on day nine today. And it I, you know, actually, a lot of it stems from the conversation we had together last time, which was, how can we make podcasting more viable, especially for the little independent podcasts? And it's something I've been thinking a lot about. And, you know, I realized there are all these great indie shows who have their own engaged audiences and their own networks. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could just pool all of our resources and leverage all those networks and create one giant network? And, um, and so that's what I, I decided to do was we would, um, I would take two independent podcasts every day for 30 days and highlight them and have everyone who's involved in the campaign uh, make sure that they are pounding the payment every day, whether it's their podcast that's being highlighted that day or someone else's and just spread the word about these shows. And I thought it would, it would we would make it easy on listeners by just doing two pods a day and each of them having like a featured episode. So, you know, they could decide what episode they thought would be the best one uh, to bring in new audiences. So everyone who's listening to the campaign just had two, two episodes to download every day. And so they'd be introduced to 60 new independent podcasts and really support the little guys and 60 new podcasts would be introduced to a whole lot of people. So um, hopefully bringing them more visibility out in the podcasting world. And I, um, yeah, I, I was impressed with, I think I announced it on a Tuesday and by Wednesday, all 60 slots were full and then we launched the following Monday. So it, it happened really fast and I've been uh, really happy with the success so far. Well, as an indie podcaster myself, I really appreciate the effort that you've put into this because any indie podcaster out there, and that's the majority of podcasters are a are the small indie podcasts. We all you know struggle with the discoverability issue because we don't have large networks behind us or commercial ventures behind us. So we're really just you know, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, grassroots promotion, um, doing anything we can to grab an audience and keep an audience. 
So I think this is such a great idea. And it's really resonating in the podcast community because you didn't even tell me about this. I heard about this a couple of different ways. Uh, Bello Collective uh, wrote about it. And that's a podcasting newsletter, online newsletter that I subscribe to. And I heard um, Jessica and Elsie talking about it on She Podcasts, which is a pretty popular podcast about podcasting. So I, I started hearing about it. And then Shannon, our communications director, actually emailed me uh, shortly after I had come across those two items and suggested that we have you back on to talk about it because she thought it was a really important movement and message for for all indie podcasters and a great way to discover new podcasts. I mean, as a podcast listener, I, I'm, I was looking at the list of podcasts and I was like, these all sound great. I can't wait to listen to them. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and I always I always feel like when I have these ideas, I'm just going to be screaming into the void. And I think this one more so than any other project really surprised me because I, I just made one announcement on one Facebook uh, podcasting group and it just snowballed. Um, and someone asked, you know, if I had curated the list and I, I realized I didn't even have time to curate it because the word got out so quickly. And um, yeah, it's been it's been great. And, you know, the numbers have um, on the WordPress site have been you know, not grand, but I'm happy to see, you know, 200 people a day, I think is great because a lot of these podcasts are so small that even if only 25% of those 200 are downloading episodes, that's still a really huge boost. And the people I've talked to who have been featured have seen their, their largest numbers in the history of their shows since the launch of this campaign. And that feels amazing. Oh, I bet it does. Okay. So you mentioned, you know, that you got the list of 60 podcasts pretty quickly. So how did the how did you come up with the 60 podcasts? I it's funny and I um I don't know if it's something I'll regret or learn from but I didn't feel like I was in a position to really curate a list because who am I, you know? And I, I think art is so subjective that it, I I didn't want to be the one to say like this doesn't work and this does. So to me it was like as long as you're independent or part of an independent network um and as long as it's an inclusive show, uh, there were a few that seemed uh, a little misogynistic or a little exclusive in their messaging. And I, I didn't want to be attached to that kind of rhetoric. And I know a lot of the people who are participating in the campaign had some concerns about being attached to negative rhetoric. Mm -hmm. So those were pretty much the only rules. And then it was just first come, first serve. Oh, so people just emailed you and said, hey, please consider my podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I think that's, if nothing else, it's fair. Exactly. And, you know, there were a few people because we have, we have some big ones that I think are, are pretty common amongst podcast listeners. And I know a few people felt like that wasn't fair. But again, to me, they're independent. And also, I think strategically, those are great networks to leverage if they already have a large built-in audience. And if they're willing to participate, I'm willing to, to get to know their audiences better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's, um, let's define indie. What do you consider an indie podcast? I consider indie being a self-sustaining show. So it's not being funded by anyone else. and um, I mean, generally, that's the rule is it's um, and I guess I guess 
I'm, I could probably be more articulate or, or thoughtful about my explanation, but I think if you boil it down to its simplest form, it's, it's small people who are promoting their own shows, who aren't making tons of money, who aren't being funded by anyone other than um, listeners or a small percentage of ad revenue. And uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's it. So nobody coming from like NPR, WNYC, (laughs) (laughs) uh, commercial or, you know, established networks or the trust, the networks coming from Trust Real Radio would be out. I got it. Um, Yeah. And like, I want to share the hashtag uh, because anyone listening, you're going to want to follow this hashtag. It's uh, or use it yourself. It's hashtag the number two pods a day, hashtag two pods a day. And then you have a second uh, hashtag, which is listen more, listen indie. Yeah. So you can follow those hashtags and discover more podcasts. And that second one to me was really important. And obviously when we're tweeting, we have to narrow down our, our word count, but I wanted, I wanted this to feel like the shop small movement. And so I felt like listen more, listen indie was kind of the, audio um parallel of that so what happens after the 30 days that is a good question that i get asked very frequently because um we i i think i've received more people who couldn't make it into the campaign than there are in the campaign asking about doing a second one and so i think that's something we'll kind of review it it is a ton of work it's so much work than i more work than i thought it would be and I'm doing it on my own as well as producing two podcasts and then development for a few. So it, it's been, I, like, I would be remiss if I didn't say um, I put in easily 200 hours of work over the last two weeks. So it's, it's been a lot. And so I think um, if we did a second campaign, I would need someone else to participate on my end. And I would really want it to be, to, um, I would only do it if I felt like this this really created great results for people. And that's happening so far, but we're still pretty early in the campaign. So we'll see. Yeah, I can't wait to see what develops. Okay, so when I spoke to you last time, we talked a lot about the Karen and Ellen letters. And that was... Um, partly because I'm a huge fan and so is Shannon, our communications director. And so she and I kind of geek out over the show and I listen to it with my husband. Uh, We listen to it together. We're not completely caught up. I think I'm two two or three episodes behind where you're at right now because I, I always wait till we can listen together. But you know, I completely love the show. And Shannon is a little further along than I am. And she hinted that you now have a um, maybe season two has evolved into something that you didn't quite expect it to evolve into. So share with me whatever you feel you can at this point. Yeah. So today, um, today has actually been a really big Karen and Ellen day, which it was not supposed to have been. I was going to take a few months off. Um, but in the last 24 hours, Sarah, who plays Karen and I have probably found more solid, verifiable information than I've found in the preceding 12 years. What? Yeah. So I, I, we literally together storyboarded the entire second season, which, and you're the first to hear this will be the final season. Um, because I think that the story really has some finality to it now. 
And um, yeah, it's it's been a whirlwind. It um, it what I know now <laughs> uh, does not even remotely line up with the theories that I was I was devoutly married to when I started the podcast. And I think that's exciting because we have I think unintentionally led people down a path that is the incorrect path. And so I I yeah I, I, today's been really exciting just to to figure stuff out and see things make sense in a way they never made sense before and um yeah so season two will start in november and it's going to have all the original actors we have um two to three other big parts that will that will play into it and it's really going to be in uh, towards the end of the season and i think where you are already we've kind of explored how the karen and ellen universe is much bigger than just um these four people in this cottage in oakland and season two will very much be about these people and how they occupy the United States and their lives after these letters and finding out who they are. And there's going to be a lot of strange twists and turns. And um, we're going to discover some other people who have also found the letters and see what they have chosen to do with them. So it's exciting. And I, I actually, I, I've been sitting here all day, like, desperately trying not to say anything because i'm so excited about what we found out and i you know i we have this really engaged audience and i feel like such a jerk not being able to tell them (laughs) well i want to talk about that engaged audience and you know i'm i'm a member of the the karen and ellen group but i can't check in very much or contribute because I'm so afraid of getting spoilers and I really want the um the story to unfold the way you want it to be unfolding for the audience and it is a little bit of a roller coaster and I'm sort of at that point where there's a lot of question marks about the letters and if they're real or not real and who these people are and um and Mark's role in the whole thing so I'm sort of at like just a giant question mark and having just heard what you said I just I know I'm I'm just got more of this roller coaster ride to enjoy so I don't want I I'm always afraid I'm going to get in the group and and there's going to be a spoiler and people are pretty good about warning you when there is but I want to find out from you if there's anything that you discovered through this Facebook group and the engagement, if there's anything that you can tell other podcasters that would help them reach that type of um, interaction with their audience. Yeah, I, I, well, I, first and foremost, authenticity. Um, I, Mm. you know, that's what I hear all the time and it it sounds so obvious, but I think we throw that word around, especially when it comes to branding, um, in such a way that it doesn't even feel like a real word anymore. (laughs) So true. Authenticity in and of itself has become a brand as opposed to what it actually is. Um, so I think for me, it's just always being myself and, um, and not, I don't, I don't like the word fans because it feels a little um, discriminatory almost. So I think it's just treating these people who are listening and engaged as exactly that people who are listening to your stories and engaged with what you're doing. And when you do that, you have not only a level of respect, but a a huge level of appreciation. And I, I think it's just about 
getting to know these people because I've made really great friendships. And I always say that I was never like an internet friends person before all this. And I never thought I would be, but here I, I just have such a huge appreciation for these people and how engaged they are. And that, you know, someone was asking me the other day, like, isn't it annoying getting all these notifications all day long? And I was like, no, it's a blessing to have that many people care that much about something that I'm, I care about. Such a blessing. So I think that first and foremost, and then I think just carving out time, um, that's been the hardest part is I didn't realize, you know, our Americana has been around for just shy of a year now. And it's got slightly less listeners than Karen and Ellen, but there's not much engagement at all. And so I didn't realize that when this became such a big uh, audience success that I was going to have to carve out two to three hours a day to, to talk to people and encourage people to, you know, explore and keep talking about it and become friends with people. And I think that would, would be the one lesson I would say is like, be authentic, but also make sure that you are carving out time to encourage your listeners to be engaged. Yeah. And I would add just from my observation of your group that, well, not only are you present, which is, which is just nice, you know, if you, if you're a fan of a show and you can interact in real time with the, with the host, it's, it's really satisfying. But, um, the other thing that stood out to me is that everyone is having so much fun with the show. And there's so much creativity that is a result of the show. You know, people um, writing reviews and the voices of the characters and sharing things that remind them of the characters. And and um, it's just I mean, there's there's tons of entertainment just in the group as a result. Oh, yeah, I, they crack me up. Like, and that's the thing when I say, you know, I have to carve out time to engage. I do. But I also love it. Like, I love going <laughs> in there because they are so funny. And they give me a hard time, which I love. And, you know, I think we all want to be a part of the things that inspire us or make us laugh or make us happy. And in, in the very essence of that, these people are a part of it because the podcast doesn't exist without them. So I think to me, it's just a natural progression in, in actually making them a part of the process, which is, you know, joking with them or sharing spoilers with them or including them in the actual uh, podcast. So I think, I think it's been wholly symbiotic and uh, I think it's just a really lovely thing. And I would encourage other podcasters to to do the same. Don't be annoyed or bothered by or daunted by fans or listeners or audiences, but respect them and learn to really incorporate them into what you're doing. Nice. And, you know, the fact is you do have a group. Not all podcasts even have a group. I don't have a group for my podcast. My other podcast does not have a group. And it's one of those things that I, I've talked about doing it, but I just haven't done it. So... I don't know what it would be like if I did, but I bet my engagement would be better than just simply having the the Facebook page for it. Yeah, and I was reluctant to do a group initially for a few reasons. Um, the first was I'd had such a hard time when I did the blog just with people having opinions about what I was doing, um, a, a lot of which were negative. And I just also felt like not no one would care enough to like want to be involved in a discussion group. So it just seemed like 
So there was no reason in doing it because it seemed like the only outcome was going to be bad if there was any at all. And, and to see that not only lots of people care and lots of people want to be involved, but that it's all so positive. You know, I always joke that that, that little discussion group is the most positive corner of the internet. And I don't know how it's happened, whether it's just that I've created a culture or if, if the culture already existed of just laughing, um, not even so much at these girls, but at ourselves and the way, you know, we relate to these girls. But it's just, it's, I, I <laughs> the first few weeks after it opened, I was uh, an emotional mess because I just couldn't believe that so many people passionately cared about what I was doing. And that is just the greatest gift in the world. Yeah, it's got to feel really good. Okay, so you mentioned that season two is going to be the final season of the Karen and Ellen letters. I've accepted that. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, I knew, I knew, I mean, it's clear that it, this is going to have, this story is going to have an ending. But what do you imagine is going to happen after season two? Like, will it live on in any other form? I don't know. And I would like it to, but I don't, I don't want to tell a story unless there's a good story to tell. And, yeah. And I also just, I don't have the, the headspace to really figure that out currently. So I'm hoping that if a story does happen, it happens organically, which is usually how the best stories happen anyway. Yeah. And, and we'll see. I have some ideas and I have some concepts I want to explore that would be similar to Karen and Ellen, but, I, you know, Karen and Ellen is a once in a lifetime thing. And so I think to try to replicate that would be cheap and um, just a, a terrible way to, to try to make the brand live on. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, Karen and Ellen in this story um, is done. And I think probably, at least for me in all iterations, is done because I, I, do, I wouldn't be doing the listener service to, to try to extend it beyond this. Well, and the thing we forget, I think, as podcasters sometimes is that although it will be done in the sense that you're not producing any further episodes after season two, it is continuing to live on the internet and in the world of podcasts. So I imagine that there will be people discovering the show, you know, for months and years to come, and they'll be discovering it and hearing it for the first time. So it will live on in that way yeah and that's really wild to me to even think about um i don't you know it's not something that's foreign to me but it's definitely not something i've spent a lot of time marinating on because <laughs> it is such a daunting idea yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it's interesting and we'll see you know i think i think at this point it's just reeling raining in the spoilers um and i don't know you know i think I think for a while there was a great fear, especially amongst Sarah and I, about the the identities getting out and people kind of bothering the people who are the Karen and Ellen letters. And um, for the most part, we've gotten to a space where that's not so much a concern anymore. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm eager to see how the podcast evolves once the podcast is done. Yeah, me too. I, I'm I'm definitely interested to see how things things uh, plan out. Okay, so 
last time I spoke to you, you were really overwhelmed with all of the work that your podcast and your podcast network was turning into. Um, not that you weren't up for it, but it, you know, it's a daunting task having a podcast network. And so I've heard rumors that you now have a planning committee. So I was wondering if that was helping you with the workload at all. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Um, I, I don't have a planning committee. Don't know where I heard it. <laughs> yeah, I have. Um, no, it was Shannon. I, have, I think Shannon mentioned that she thought you had a planning committee. I have people helping with development for season two of Karen and Ellen. Okay. Um, I, 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 I would say Sarah has been a huge, huge help because she's kind of just this um, dogged researcher. So I, I don't like she just goes off on her own and comes back and with like links and screenshots of things, and that has been a huge help. Um. And then I have two other people, Matt, who plays Rob, and Chris Brayton from the More Gooder Than podcast, who are helping kind of. So the story is shaped, and I think just extracting uh, episodes from the story. So we'll, we have uh, probably once every two weeks, the four of us sit, together, sit down on Skype and talk about the information we have and um, what we want to do in each episode. And then we brainstorm on how to create the episode around that. Very cool. Very cool. So I want to also thank you because uh, you are bringing the Karen and L Ellen Letters live show to DC PodFest, which is a um, podcast conference that I run in Washington, DC. And I, you were the first live show that I've booked for DC PodFest. And I'm so excited. And um Shannon, uh, who I keep mentioning, who's the communication director at Podbean, uh, she is going, I believe she is going to try to make the very long journey to DC because she is such a fan of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited about this. Um, again, like you, you, you go back to this idea where you sit, you sit in bed one day and you have all this time on your hands and you think, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. And you don't really have a big, huge belief in it becoming a thing. And, and then you release your first episode and the numbers are pretty good. And you're like, oh, maybe I'll try this a little longer. And you never think that in a year, you're going to have this amazing listener base and that you're going to be doing live shows and that, you know, Podbean is going to be sponsoring you. And I it just, um, I, uh, I, Every day I'm humbled a little more by, by what's happening uh, for me in this world. And uh, DC PodFest was like the first big thing where I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is real. What I'm doing is real and it feels validating. So to that, I am so grateful to you because uh, I think that really did light a fire under my butt. Not that there wasn't one already, but it, it made the work that I've been doing feel validated. So. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's so great. I think you are going to be such an insp inspiration to other podcasters because you are what, a little over a year into your podcasting journey, your podcasting adventure. And so much has happened in that year. Um, yet, I think it's clear that you've worked your butt off in that year to make every single bit of success happen. So I think it's both inspirational, but also 
daunting and realistic to anybody out there who wants to see similar success. It is a lot of a lot of hard work and care has to go into to your show to make that happen. Yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things where um, I always tell my boyfriend because he comes home and he's like, why are you working? And I'm like, because I like that's how I get paid. Like, it's not it's not that I <laughs> go to a place for eight hours and then that just means money ends up in my bank account. Like I could work 500 hours and only make five dollars doing it. So it's really just about perseverance and being married to this idea and hoping that that marriage will eventually literally pay off. Um, so yeah, it's it's a lot of hard work and that's what I would tell podcasters who are trying to make a business out of this is you you have to pound the pavement like this you can't treat it like a hobby or else that's what you're going to get back from it is is the hobby investment you have to treat it like a business. So I um it's gotten to the point where even editing the shows is really only about 50% of the work which before I would say it was like 90% and now it's PR and engagement and um, making connections and yeah, it's, it's, it's a business. And if you don't treat it like a business, you're probably not going to succeed in a viable way. So I think that's advice I would give to anyone who's starting a podcast with the intent of making a, a sustaining level of income off of it. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the quote at the beginning of our episode. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, he said that so perfectly. And it's so easy to understand what that means. It's, it's perfect. Treat your podcast like a business. If you have any hope of any kind of financial and long-term success, such a good message. Um, Well, before I let you go, I wanted to give you a chance uh, to talk about the Our Americana Network. I know um, your Our Americana podcast is is super popular, completely different than the Karen and Ellen letters. And last time I talked to you, you had a couple shows in development, and I wanted to check on the status of all of that. Yeah. So Our Americana, I feel bad because it is my passion project and it has been a little sidelined by the success of Karen and Ellen. So I'm, I'm very eager to kind of get back into that world this week. Um, today was unexpectedly a big Karen and Ellen day, but tomorrow I'm going back to Our Americana and I have an episode I'm really excited about coming out this week. And it's, um, it's about roadside attractions in America. I love roadside attractions. Oh, I, awesome. it took me by surprise because I thought it was going to be this fun, quirky little episode. And it is very quirky, but some of the stories uh, just were really heartwarming. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think I cried during or after two of the interviews I did. And I think it's really going to shed a different light on roadside attractions and how important they are to people. So that I'm really excited about and I can't wait to get into. I think I have four hours of interviews that I need to obviously pare down to 40 minutes. <laughs> so I have a lot of work, but it's work I'm really <laughs> excited to, to um, immerse myself in. And then on June 2nd will be the year anniversary of Our Americana. So I'm hoping I can hustle because again, it's been on the back burner and get some update interviews done between now and then with some of the people who have appeared on previous episodes. Oh, yeah. Those anniversary dates are, are real important. <laughs> yeah, the year mark, the year mark is a very good one. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I'm also excited. Um, <laughs> true crime bullshit has really kind of gotten away from me in every possible way. Um, I kind of felt, and we talked a bit about this, just oversaturated with true crime in the podcasting world. Yeah. And I, 
I was just burnt out and I have found sometimes, and again, part of like podcasting as a business is you have to be very present everywhere people are talking about podcasting. So I am a member of a lot of Facebook podcasting groups and I was just starting to see um, some tone deafness when it came to true crime. Like someone would post something along the lines of like, oh, my mother's really ill with cancer and she just needs something uplifting does anyone have any podcasts they recommend? And then there would be like 30 people recommending true crime podcasts. Right. That'll <laughs> do the would, trick. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I feel like we've hit, we've hit a, a bad place with true crime. And so I was ready to give it up. And then I had done an interview where someone had asked me about it. And all of a sudden, all these Karen and Ellen listeners um, were, were just as rabid about the true crime show and were asking about it. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, I have thought a lot about it. And I, I think my oversaturation with true crime and the tone deafness of true crime are really going to play heavily into how that show was produced. And it's kind of reinvigorated me um, and re-inspired the excitement I initially had for the project. So I, I can imagine that angle could bring a fresh perspective to true crime. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really, I think it's really needed. I think we need a fresh perspective on true crime if we're going to keep talking about it ad nauseum. <laughs> so I think so too. I'll and I, it. it doesn't make sense to get too much into it on this podcast, but I, you know, I'm a true crime fan. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and I have, I'm getting extremely frustrated with some common formats that I'm running into in the true crime genre. And I too was tempted to do a true crime podcast and had the same, I wasn't as far along in development as you were with yours, but I stopped myself for the same reason. I thought, oh, we're just, you know, we're over, we, we're approaching oversaturation. And unless I can bring a real fresh perspective or format, and I think I could, but it would mean putting a lot, a lot of effort and time, which I'm not sure I have right now. So I completely relate to your predicament on that genre, um, being a fan and a frustrated fan at that. <laughs> yeah. And I want to make it clear because I have, uh, I have friends who do true crime shows and I, I still, I still listen to them all the time. So I, I want to make it clear that I'm not like crapping on true crime. As oh yeah. A I listen to them all the time as well. <laughs> yeah. I just, for me personally, my, my big mission statement in podcasting is like, I don't want to tell a story unless it's a, a story worth telling or a story with a unique perspective. And, and for me, the true crime thing was starting to feel like it wasn't going to fall into either of those categories. And, and so that, that's all I, you know, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm, I'm, uh, making fun of the genre or saying I don't like it because I, I do. It just, for me, it was, it was about reconciling my own way of storytelling with the genre. Well, yeah, I think once, you know, we saw the success of Serial and, you know, the one thing about true crime, you know, audio dramas, real life dramas is that they just have that built-in cliffhanger aspect. And I think that's a real effective tool to keep people listening is to have something episodic that, you know, kind of has a cliffhanger at the end. And Serial, I think that was a real big key to their success. And it was also good journalism. Um, but I think with the success of Serial, it was after that that I saw a lot of true crime podcasts being produced. And it makes sense. It's probably 
a predictable thing. Um, and yeah, and I, I'm a fan of several and there's some out there that are, that are really, really good. Um, but there, but because there's so many, of course, there are some that aren't as good in my opinion, but it's subjective. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> anyway, well, Josh, oh, you and know, then oh, go just ahead. real quick. I had two other just quick projects I wanted oh, to, yeah, yeah. to plug. Um, and the first is really an extension of our Americana, and it goes back to that conversation we had last time, which obviously has not sunk in, which is that I, I take way too much on. Um, and so I needed to find a way to kind of balance everything I was doing. And our Americana, which I love, is definitely the biggest work producer. Um, so I, I decided, and but since it's also the moneymaker, I couldn't really give it up. So I decided I would take maybe six to eight weeks off of doing traditional episodes. And I did an episode last month, which was um, truncated by um, a story about a town in Austin, Indiana, that has the highest rate of HIV in America. And in the middle of that, I kind of did an interlude where I was telling my own personal story, and it was really not part of the Our Americana format. And to me, production-wise, it was very easy to do and mm -hmm. the people who listened to it were so engaged and so inspired by it so i think i'll take a break from the traditional episodes and focus on similar storytelling um it'll be part of the our americana show but it'll just be a different kind of episode um between seasons so i'm looking forward to that and that i think will be our americana um colon the worst thing and it'll just be people talking about um the bad experiences that have happened to them and how they overcame them um, in just a very raw and um, emotional way. So I'm looking forward to that because I, I think it'll be inspiring, but it'll also be easy, which <laughs> I need right now. And then, Yeah, sometimes we do have to find ways, you know, if we're having that problem like producing our shows or getting into pod fading because, you know, it's, it's okay to like kind of restructure things in a way that makes it work. So I'm glad you found a way to do that. Yeah. And then this, the, the new podcast that I'm so excited about um, is I, I've been like, I'm just old enough that I don't understand YouTube. Um, uh -huh. Like any, like, like YouTube celebrities, I don't understand. And I, I realized that I'm also just young enough that I, was watching TV at kind of the height of the public access celebrity phase, which didn't mm -hmm. last very long. And so I kind of want to tell the story of what happened to all these public access celebrities when YouTube came around. Oh, I like and, it. Yeah. And so each episode will go to a different city and find like the big public access star in that city and tell the story of their show and interview them and then talk about how YouTube changed their quote-unquote public access career and then maybe find someone similar who's on youtube and has made a career out of it so i'm, I'm excited to talk about just the way that the media has changed people directly and their goals and their careers yeah i think that's incredibly interesting i will definitely tune in to that show <laughs> all your shows are good so i am an overall fan <laughs> thank you <laughs> All right, Joshua, it's been great getting caught up with you. And again, thanks so much for the two pods a day movement. Um, I, I really like how you are so proactive on that because 
when we have a problem and we come up with our own solution, that's just just a nice approach to it. We like instead of whining, you did something about it, and um, that is uh, you know kudos to you for that. And um, I can't wait to see you in my hometown in November for DC yeah. Podcast. Yeah, and I would say for any of the Karen and Ellen fans out there, the plan is to do a live reading of the season finale and then a the very first um, live or the very first actually listen to the season premiere of season two. So anyone who's there will get to hear season two's premiere first. Oh my gosh, please tell me you're going to be selling t-shirts because uh, I want a Karen and Ellen Letters t-shirt. Yes, I, I definitely want. I'm hoping to have a few other, it, again, it just comes back to time, but I'm hoping to have a few designs done before then. All right. Well, we're super happy to have you on the Podbean, in the Podbean family of podcasts. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and your shows. And like I said, I'll see you in person for the first time in November. Thanks again, Josh. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting!